Let's pray. Oh God, you are the one above the affairs of this planet who knows more than anyone today the bondage of your children. We have not come to focus on bondage. We have come to worship the bondage breaker. And he is present. And he has hope and promise for us right now. Let today's teaching, please, be clear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Three young boys from Campbellton, New Brunswick. That would be up in Canada. Last August, went to a petting zoo one evening. Had a delightful time. The three boys, two little brothers and their friend, they come home to their friend's apartment. It's going to be a sleepover tonight. Happy but fatigued. The boys, the three boys just go straight to bed. Now, because the brothers are visiting, there's no bedroom for them, so they put out a little mattress in the apartment, and the little boys sleep on the mattress. That night, an exotic pet being kept in that apartment broke out of his enclosure, discovered the ventilation system, and crawled up into the system broke through in the dark living room and crashed to the floor where the two boys were sleeping and killed them both. Authorities surmised that the smell of the petting zoo was still on those hands. And so dead were Noah Bart, age four, and his older brother Connor, age six. They were strangled to death by a 100-pound African rock python. There is a serpent loose on this planet. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you live. He has your scent. And he is on your trail. And if you allow him, his python coils will strangle you to death through addiction. Thanks to a student movement series of three articles, we all know this earlier this year. We've spent three Sabbaths now pondering the python coils of addiction. But you know what? Our stories... Hallelujah, don't have to end with such a tragic, tragic finale as we just heard in New Brunswick. Because the truth of the matter is there is the bondage breaker and good news, he's on your side and mine. He was on her side. I want to go to her story right now. Open your Bible with me, please, to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke chapter 8. You didn't bring a Bible, you got your smartphone with you, pull it out. Luke chapter 8. I want you to track this story. Just a short little narrative tucked away in the middle of this gospel. Luke chapter 8. I'll be in the New International Version, the NIV, whatever translation you have. It's fine with me. If you didn't bring a Bible, pull the pew Bible out in front of you. It will be page 696. So here's the NIV. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. And verse 2, also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, 
called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's, Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them, Jesus and the disciples, out of their own means. A rather touching portrayal of some women who devoted their resources to support Jesus and his disciples. But we are intrigued, are we not, by this Mary, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons have been cast. Makes you wonder, were they all cast out at once? Or did she come back again and again for another demon to be cast out? Or was it just one demon who kept re-entering her? Luke has embedded two, two uh, clues in this brief narrative. The clue demon and then the number seven. If we go to demon and seven, we go to a major teaching of Jesus on demons. It's just three pages over, so turn to, turn to chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. A very peculiar parable. Take a look at this. Luke chapter 11. This would be verse 24. Bright red letters in my Bible. Jesus speaking, telling the story. When an impure spirit, a demon, comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. I'll go back to the life I was in. And when it arrives, verse 25, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Matthew relates the same parable and he says, he, he writes, and he found the house unoccupied. Nobody home. And then, verse 26, it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and live there and the final condition of that person is worse, worse than the first. Wow, this is a terrible story. Why? You got a python story and you got this story. What's up with that? I mean, a demon comes back with seven of his nefarious friends and they move in. Jesus' point is, is inescapable. Come on, guys, this is it. Whatever you drive out must be replaced. You dare not leave your heart empty. You can't. Not in this business of fighting addiction. Whatever you drive out, you've got to replace it. Or to put it simply, you must replace what you remove. That little point we're going to brood over for the few moments we have together. But that point is so critical. I wish you'd grab your study guide right now and let's get it down. Let's just get it down in the study guide. In your worship bulletin today, you have the study guides. Pull it out. We've got them up here in the wind symphony. We've got our friendly ushers coming your way. If you didn't get a worship bulletin or you came in with a bunch of guys and you need one, you, this one is a keeper. You will want this one, I believe. So hold your hand up. Our ushers are coming down. I need an usher on this side, please. And we'll get those. Keep your hand up. And we'll get those uh, bulletins to you up in the balcony as well. And those of you who are watching right now live streaming, we're delighted to have you wherever you are on this planet. You're in the Eastern Time Zone with us here. Glad you've come. Let me put on, our, put, put, put on the screen our website, in case you're watching this on television, and you can get the same study guide. There you see it on the website right now, www.pmchurch.tv. This is a little mini-series. We're calling it The Bondage Breaker. This is part three how to turn your defeats into V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. How to turn it into victory. When you see study guide there, click on to part three. You'll have it. All right, let's go. Let's get that line down because this, this line is critical. In any strategic move for addictions, critical. Jot it down. You must replace what you remove. You must replace what you remove. This is called the replacement principle. So, John, now you see at the beginning, the, the teaching is divided into two parts. The first part is called the replacement principle. The 12 steps recovery 
plan that you've heard so much about. Alcoholics Anonymous, Sexaholics Anonymous, what's another one? Overeaters Anonymous, Online Gamers Anonymous. In fact, I went to Wikipedia and said, how many, how many of these do you have? 34 of them. 34 of these 12 steps recovery programs. Every one of these programs incorporates Jesus' replacement principle. Now, they don't give credit to him, but he preceded them by a, by a couple millennia. He's the one that came up with this. What you take out, you have to replace. What you remove, you must replace. So I get this. I have this friend, uh, uh, Ray Nelson, and he drops this by here in the community. I've never seen this before. There's a, there's a group called Adventist Recovery Ministries. And they've taken all the addictions and they've divided them, divided them up into three categories. In just a moment, by the way, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get this. We're going to send this to you. No charge. You're going to want this. Uh, particularly for the front, the 12 steps from, the, from, the, from a Christian perspective. You'll love it. But on, on the back, so they divide up, they, they call uh, activity addictions. Cutting, gambling, sex, you know, activities, things you do that you get addicted to. The second category is substance addictions. You can think of alcohol and drugs and uh, even they list even sugar and, and food. Then they have a third category called character defects and mental obsessions. Now, I'm going to pick on one of these addictions because I've had people come up to me and say, Hey, Dwight, come on, is this really an addiction? Let's find out. If you want, some morning at 2 o'clock, go, go, go to the men's residence hall up here, Meyer Hall, and walk down the hall. You will hear behind certain closed doors, you will hear an electronic emission. It will sound like a beep, a series of beeps. What's happening behind that closed door? There's a young man there. In the Eastern time zone, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. In Japan, it's 14 hours later. In Europe, seven hours later. But that young man is meeting other young men through the use of his game console and its, ga its video gaming. Non-stop. Addictive? Are you, are you kidding? Let me quote uh, the, the, the psychologist Philip Zimbardo. He describes... Listen, I, I thought this was, this was uh, rather insightful. He describes drug addiction. Okay, so drug addiction is what he calls wanting more. But he says today what guys have is not drug addiction. It's arousal addiction. Always wanting something different. Not more, but something different. Zimbardo cites excessive internet use, video gaming, online porn as causes of this new addiction. By the way, he points out, by the age of 21, some boys, the present company accepted, of course, some boys spend 10,000 hours gaming. Two-thirds of that time is done in isolation, all alone, no interaction with any, anybody. The same, watch about 50 porn clips per week. Now, let me put uh, Philip Zimbardo on the screen for you. You have this in, the, in, in your study guide as well. These are his words. And by the way, he gave a TED Talk. So you can get this. 2011, August 2011. This is from his TED Talk. Don't go there now. Let me put his words on the screen. Boys' brains are being digitally rewired in a totally new way for change, novelty, excitement, and constant arousal. They're totally out of sync in traditional classes, which are analog, static, and interactively passive. I mean, if I'm spending hours on this gate with this gaming console, what am I going to get out of classes? Why even show up? Why go? That's what education is confronted with today. They're totally out of sync in traditional classes. And by the way, they're also totally out of sync in relationships with young women, relationships which build gradually and subtly. They've just lost, they've lost the art, end quote. I'm going to go back to Mary Magdalene for a moment. You remember the woman with uh, seven demons? Seven addictions? 
A friend of mine who, who is a professor here said to me, uh, uh, once we got into this series, you know, he said, he said, Dwight, what we're seeing is a multiple layering of addictions being laid down in people's lives. It's not just one now. It's two. It's three. It's four. They're going in packages. And as a corroboration, just last week, one of our, one of our students told me, person to person, that he was becoming addicted to video gaming. And in the process of becoming addicted, uh, addicted to video gaming, he discovered, he said, I began to discover that there's a kind of a sexual pornographic addiction that's beginning to seep in. This isn't rocket science. You go on any website and they'll flip up a little uh, pop-up, which will be, you know, they always have these beautiful, sexy, virtual reality women that are a part of the warrior games or whatever. You know, it's, 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 it's just a pet. It's not a big deal. It's just a pet. You can keep it around. But that pet has only one strategic plan in mind, and that is to layer down the addictions. First addiction gets you in. Second addiction clamps on the the leg chains. Third addiction, arm chains. Before you know it, you are locked. Just a pet. How did Jesus put it? This is Luke 11, uh, 24 again. When, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, when addiction leaves a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, man, I'm going back to that girl. I'm going back to that boy. I'm going back to that house I left. Verse 25, when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean, unoccupied, nobody home. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits. Here comes now the multiple layering of addiction. Seven other spirits that are worse than the first, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that person is worst. Worse than the first. You must replace. You can't leave it empty. You must replace what you remove. Strategic key to turning your defeats into victory. That's Jesus' point. So how can we work the principle? If that's the replacement principle, let's call this one now the replacement plan. Would you jot this down, please? Now the replacement plan for the few moments we have left. Let me run by you. Just flying by you. Seven replacement strategies you can implement to give you the winning edge over your addictions. You say, Dwight, I'm not, I'm not into any of these. None of these is my addiction. You have an addiction. We are all ultimately addicted to sin. Are we not? Come on. But of course. So this works for any sin, any addiction. Number one, let's go. Replace high visual, high tech stimulation with silence. You're going to have to program quiet into your day and into your life. You know, it's fun walking across campus. Always great saying, hey, yo, how you doing? Fine. So there'll be some people you pass. If you notice this, there's some people you pass. They've got these little white things that are in their ears. They're just totally zoned out. They have no idea you're there. The girls are laughing. The birds are singing. You've got these things jammed in your eustachian tubes. Can't hear a thing around you. Cut yourself some slack. Create, create a slice. Create a slice of silence in your life. So God is saying here, look at this, Psalm 46. Put it on the screen, fill it in. God's, God's speaking, be still. Shh, shh, shh. Be still, he says. And know that I am God. Richard Foster. In contemporary society, our adversary majors in these three, three things. Oh, how true. Noise, hurry, and crowds. Write that down. Noise, hurry, crowds. Desire of ages, I love this, when every other voice is hushed and in quietness we wait before him, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter your addiction. We've got to disconnect in order to connect. We have to disconnect. Replace. Replace high visual, high tech stimulation with silence. Number two, replace self-absorbed stimulation with service. Now, that's an interesting one, with service. In fact, all the 12 steps uh, recovery programs, all of them utilize what, these first two replacement strategies. Number one, they all talk about a higher power. Get connected with whatever you call this higher power. Get connected with him. And they all talk about get connected with others. Vertically and horizontally, get connected again. Addictions tend to drive us into ourselves. In fact, Alcoholics Anonymous has found out that narcissism or self-absorption is the, is the underlying cause of, uh, of, of addiction, any addiction. Let me read to you a piece from uh, Wall Street Journal, thanks to my friend Don Wilson who spotted this. Title of the piece, Can Faith, Rewi Can Faith Rewire an Addict's Brain? This is interesting. This is by, by the way, two uh, researchers, uh, Byron Johnson and uh, Maria Pagano. They're from Baylor University and Case Western Reserve University. So here's, here's how the uh, column begins. Young people who regularly attend religious services and describe themselves as religious are less likely to experiment with alcohol and drugs, a growing body of research shows. Oh, let me hit the pause button right there. Dwayne McBride, you know Dwayne McBride, the... Uh, Sociologist. In fact, he was just here on the, on, the, on the platform for chapel. He's done a lot of research with drug and uh, alcohol abuse. Dwayne McBride, Dwayne sent me an email. He said, hey, Dwight, you need to remember this. And this was so good. I want to pass it on to you. These are, this is from his email to me, Dwayne McBride here at Andrews University. Most of our students do not use alcohol, but most think the average student does. There is a real pull to the perceived norm. Those who perceive everyone uses are more likely to use alcohol. Our students need to know the norm is not drinking or using drugs. Bravo! Hey, you know this Glenn guy that was sitting right up here in chapel, sitting right here with uh, Chaplain Jose? Glenn tells his story while here. Started off in academy, then came here, second exposure to alcohol. Getting sucked in, his life falling apart. Glenn makes the point. The culture, it is not everybody. McBride says, please. Because the truth of the matter is, there are tens of thousands of Seventh-day Adventist teenagers and young adults and adults who are not drinking, who are not sexting, who are not video gaming all night, who are not gluttonous, who are not dissipated, but rather who, like Daniel and his three friends, have determined they will not, they will not submit to cultural leveling. I am not going to do it because somebody else is doing it. They've simply taken a stand. I'm not moving. They've chosen to live their lives by the principle of this little book right here that says, guess what? That body of yours, that body belongs to God. He bought it with a price. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. we got tens of thousands of them. Guys, the whole campus is not addicted. Tens of thousands who are saying, I'm standing for Jesus. I don't care if the whole world goes down. I'm not moving. And I'm proud of all of you. A series like this can tend to make us think, man, everybody's doing this. We're, we're all in trouble. But I want to say, the reason for a series like this, if you're struggling with that addiction and Jesus is on the cusp of setting you free, just one of you, this series is worth it. Just one life set free. Doesn't matter your addiction. You don't know mine, I don't know yours. But if the Son sets you free, that's Christ's promise. If I set you free, you are free indeed.
Whoa. So let's go back to, let's go back to uh, the, the Wall Street Journal. Now, you have this in your, in your study guide and fill it in. Frequent involvement in spiritual activities. Jot that down. By the way, that's what, that's what Glenn was saying on the platform. I heard him say it. He said, going back to church helped break the back of my addiction. Good for you, Glenn. Wall Street Journal, the research concurs. Frequent involvement in spiritual activities seems to help in the treatment of those who do abuse alcohol and drugs. Good news. According to a research report to be released next month in Alcohol Treatment Quarterly. Now keep reading. Our study, these two researchers who are writing in the journal, our study showed daily, write in that word, daily spiritual experiences. Hey, did you love these kids singing this, singing this morning? Wasn't that precious? I mean, and you, I quickly scribbled it down. These kids' song, what were they saying? Daily, I'm diving deeper. Did you catch that? Daily, I'm diving deeper. That's what the Wall Street Journal says. It's the daily. It's the daily spiritual experiences. Actually predict abstinence, increase social behavior, and reduce narcissistic, narcissistic behavior. Why? Why might this combination work? Neuroscientists, I'm still reading, including Andrew Newberg in his 2010 book, How God Changes Your Brain, are beginning to uncover what happens to the mind. This is fascinating. Hold on. What happens to the mind when unconscious neurological foundations of addiction are short-circuited. Okay, so the addiction, the pathways can be short-circuited by one, spiritual awakening, and jot this down now, and two, a new focus on helping others. Get out of my self-absorption. Become involved in serving others. And here, here, here is an unbelievable, this last sentence. Neuronal pathways in the brain appear to be instantaneously, circle that word, instantaneously realigned. Can you believe that? The moment you connect with God vertically and you begin connecting with others horizontally, in that instant, the neuronal pathways become realigned back to a life unaddicted. Apparently our creator has anticipated the python that is loose and he's made provision for instantaneous reversal of what the serpent, that old devil, has done to you and me. Instantaneous. Can you say amen to instantaneous? I mean, please. It's Jesus' replacement principle and strategy, these first two. You want to remove addiction from your life? Jot it down. Spirituality, that would be seeking God, and service, helping others, are integral to every 12 steps program and are, <clears throat> and are vital replacements in your battle against addiction. What do we just read? Instantaneously, neuronal pathways are realigned. Wow. Uh, Jesus is onto something here. You must replace what you remove. Got to do it. Okay, here comes replacement number three. Replace hormonal stimulation with exercise slash physical exertion. Right in the word exercise. You know why? Because in our testosterone-driven society today, young men especially need a rigorous program of daily exercise. I have guys coming in talking about sexual addiction in my little office here. I'm saying, hey, boy, what you've got to do, you've been too much time alone, too much self-absorption. Get out of that. Start sweating. You got a track here? Run the track. Get into exertion. Substitute. Replace. God wants the testosterone in us, please. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just when it just saturates us, we need, we need, we need the release. Yeah. Number four, replace dietary stimulation with simple foods. This one's going to catch you by surprise. Jot it down. Simple foods. I got an email from a student here at Andrews. 
graduate student. She says, she writes me this email. Hello, Pastor Nelson. I heard about the uh, addiction series. Came last week. I was blessed. I need to tell you something about it. So now here we go. I'm going to quote her directly. You're not listening to me. This is not my testimony. Somebody in our midst right now, probably. Hmm? Here we go. As I have shared with others my own human single experience. So she's single. All right. As I have shared with others my experience striving to maintain purity of thought and emotions, I noticed how diet affects me. As I've shared this a few times in co-gender settings, I've always found co-gender agreement from singles, that would be men and women, and married, men especially. Growing up a dairy-loving vegetarian, incorporating some meat in my teens to later be educated intellectually and experientially on the blessings of a plant-based diet, I have come to realize that the lust on-off switch primarily starts with my fork and spoon. Hey, come on. Take a pause as I read, read her email. And would you jot that down, please? She says, I found out I have a switch, lust on, lust off, and it starts with my fork and spoon. You say, oh, come on, do I get on? Let's go to the next replacement one. No, 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 no. This is one that not a lot of people talk about. But I am so grateful for a young woman who went outside of her comfort zone, sent me an email with her name on it and said, hey, here's what I found in my struggle. You go, girl. All right. I have come to realize that the lust on and off switch primarily starts with my fork and spoon. I have control of whether emotional or physical lust are going to be in my day. I can narrow it to that as I cut out many avenues as God changed my interests over the years, like uh, chick flicks, women, women's magazines, TV shows, even my choice of clothing. Whenever dairy, now she's, this, this is not me, this is her. Whenever dairy, especially cheese. And sugar, especially chocolate, and a few females told me about vanilla recently, and more processed foods enter my system again, I know I am more susceptible, because she feels it, to wrestling with lust, emotionally or physically or both. I've had guys tell me that when, while they were eating meat and were newly married or single and fighting sexual temptation, that they noticed the same thing. The simpler the diet, plant-based vegan, cook from scratch, scratch usually, the better they felt and the less of a struggle or even found new victory they had with the appetite, with this, with this desire that wells up within us. She said, hey, I found out there's a correlation between what I eat and the strength of that passion. I'm amazed at how a Baptist preacher, a Baptist preacher, Rick Warren. Ever heard of Rick Warren? Come on, the most famous uh, pastor in the United States today. I'm amazed at how Rick Warren, in his new book, collaborated on, by the way, with two physicians. We're reading it in our staff. The Daniel Plan is the title of his book. I'm amazed that he is making this very same point by using Daniel, who asked for only vegetables and water, as an example for us third millennials. Can you believe it? A Baptist. A century ago, before Rick Warren, a hundred years before Rick Warren, these, these words were written. Put it on the screen for you. Physical habits have a great deal to do with the success of every individual. The more careful you are in your, what's that word, congregation? What's that word? Diet. Diet. The more careful you are in your diet, the more simple and unstimulating the food that sustains the body in its harmonious action, the more clear will be your conception of duty. The diet, write it in, the diet has much to do with a disposition to enter into temptation and commit sin. 
You go, graduate student girl. You got it. You nailed it. She's right. Replacement strategy number five. There are only seven of these. Jot this one down. Replace beverage stimulation with water. With water. Six to eight glasses of water a day. Six to eight glasses. Come on, I'm doing it. You can do it. I can't do it all at one time. Nope, I take, I take three now and then an hour later take another three. But you can do it. Six to eight glasses of water a day. Would you jot this down? The stimulation that coffee injects into the nervous and circulatory systems, pumping you up before dropping you down, is an artificial stimulation for both you and your body. I know it's cool, and it's social, and it's like you're hip to walk around with that little styrofoam cup in your hands, but you're killing yourself. You're dumping yourself. You're shooting yourself up like a missile, and and you have to get another one. Come on. It's a drug. In fact, it is the highest addictive substance on the planet today, caffeine. It is. When you're battling addiction, now here's the point. I need, you to, I need you to hold on right here. When you are battling addiction, be that alcohol, drugs, sex, or cigarettes, caffeine only hinders your efforts to success. You can't have that drug pumping into you while you're trying to release from stimulation. You can't have it. You, you'll survive. Replace your pop with as mega doses of sugar and your coffee with as mega doses of caffeine. Replace it with water and see if, like Daniel, you will not discover a higher plane of flourished living. Living with flourish. Number six. There are only seven of these. Number six, replace stress stimulation with rest. Boy, if there's any community on earth that faces stress stimulation, it's got to be a university community. We are just driven, 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 driven. We're going to collapse. The moment graduation is over, we're all going to collapse together. <clears throat> so to talk about rest, look, 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 I've been in the dorms, a singular, at night. You've got to stay up. I'm going to tell you, research is showing seven to eight hours a night. He said, impossible. Can't do it. Last night. <clears throat> so they asked me to preach at the Impact, which is the BS, Black Students Christian Forum. And I can sure go for some water right now because I'm losing my <coughs> voice. I need to prove to you, by the way, that I do drink water. <clears throat> Thank you. Nice timing, Lord. Beautiful. So last night, so they say, hey, Dwight, come on over. Pastor, come over and preach. Well, they have a great service called Impact. Starts at 9 o'clock after UV here. And uh, I got up about 10 o'clock. Man, everybody's used to living late into the night around here. You can walk, you know, the closer you get to finals, the, the, the light is on. The point is, we've got to replace stress stimulation with rest. Seven, eight hours a night. The rhythm of rest is the antidote of adrenaline. Adrenaline is what drives our addictions. Adrenaline. I get a high from my adrenaline. Of course you do. So do I. We've got to replace that adrenaline with rest. Blaise Pascal. Let's put his, put his uh, quotation on the screen. Uh, fill it in, please. This is the French mathematician turned philosopher, became a Christian, 17th century. Great writer. Here we go. Pla Pascal writing, All the unhappiness of men and women arises from one single fact, that they cannot stay quietly in their own room. Is that, is that a dormitory or what? You cannot stay quietly. In my own room. Number six, replace stress stimulation with rest. And finally, number seven, 
Replace some of your old friends with new ones. Jot that down. Replace some of your old friends with new ones. What are you talking about, Dwight? Look at guys. I, the, the power we allow others to have over us is absolutely mind-blowing. I take so many signals from other people. Why am I giving them the power over me? I don't know. It's huge. Your mother was right, by the way. What did your mother teach you when you were growing up? Birds of a feather flock together. Yep. Birds of a feather flock together. To win the battle of addiction, sometimes it is imperative that you change flocks. Find some other birds to fly with. No, I'm serious. If the guys you're hanging with are always the ones taking you in, forget it. The girls, forget it. Take a break. Yeah, quit liking them, loving them. Just take a break. Find some new friends. Here's some people who can be of great help to you, by the way. Let me just run, run through this list before I sit down. April 16, put that date, please, on the screen. That would be this Wednesday, 7 o'clock in this sanctuary. There will be a special prayer and anointing service. We have very many already who have signed up. I would love to have you come. You don't have to be here for, for addiction. You can come here for addiction, but it might be your family, it might be your friends, it might be finances, it might be your future, it might be something going on in your life, and you just need somebody to step up close beside you. There are going to be some very experienced prayers who will be here to pray with you. You don't have to go alone. Find a new friend to journey beside you. Come on. We'll have anointing. You don't have to be anointed. If you want to be anointed, there will be anointing taking place right here, April 16. That's just a few days away. If you... Uh, Check that little box on the Connect card. We'll send you an, uh, a reminder. So, uh, so, so April 16th. Here's another team I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of a team of Christian counselors who can be friends for you. And, of course, I'm talking about our counseling and testing center right here on this campus. Judith Fisher, who's the director, my friend, she, she sent me some information. And it's all in the study guide. We're not putting any of this on the screen. Those of you that are international or national, you, you will find what you need to find by Googling it in your own community. But I need you. Judith said, did Dwight make sure they understand this? So here we go. The... The counseling testing center services are confidential. And those challenged with any addictive behavior can safely seek help without threat of discipline. You need to know that. Help is more important for you right now. Records of visits remain at the center and are not shared with anyone. And by the way, if you're a community member and not a student, because students and spouses, gratis, it won't cost you a penny. If you're a community member, you can go to the counseling center and they will give you a free consultation with referrals to local services and treatment programs. So you can just get a little, little kickstart there. They have a website. You see that website? I went to the website. Go to the website. Check it out. Very nice. Uh, those of you that are wanting to get into a 12 steps program, and I'm thinking about alcohol right now. There's a website called MichianaSober.org. I have it in the study guide. I went to that. There are, there are chapters of Alcoholics Anonymous, Al-Anon for children of alcoholics, all over this county, Michiana. You'll find an address near you and a time convenient for you. Take advantage. Get a new circle of friends who can journey with you. Sexaholics Anonymous. I had the leader of the Sexaholics Anonymous group in this village meet me after the sermon on sex last Sabbath. And he said, hey, Dwight, here's my card. So I have a name and a phone number. He told me the times and where they meet, but I decided not to put that there. There's a name and a phone number. Call and ask for that name, and you'll get the details. Come on. Why journey alone? Have, an, have, have somebody journey beside you. You want something else that's not being covered right now? Another 12 Steps Recovery Program? Google it. 
there will be people. The point is, replace some of your old friends with a new friend. And the best new friend of all is the one who means your house will not be unoccupied. That was the downfall. The guy got rid of what was in, but left the house unoccupied. There's somebody who says, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, let me in. You have a friend. The python will never enter a house where your friend is. You are safe for eternity. What happened to Mary Magdalene? I want to end with her. That woman, you know, with the seven demons of addiction. Watch this. Desire of Ages. Draws a veil aside, that, that short little line. Put it on the screen for you. Mary had been looked upon as a great sinner. But Christ knew the circumstances that had shaped her life. He might have extinguished every spark of hope in her soul, but he did not. It was Jesus who had lifted her from despair and ruin. Seven times she heard his rebuke of the demons that controlled her heart and mind. She had heard his strong cries to the Father in her behalf, and she knew how offensive is sin to his unsullied purity, and in his strength she had overcome. Same strength that you will overcome. Same victory in his strength. Can you imagine that? Seven times. That means that she went once. She went once. And something melted down. She has to come back again. She goes twice. Something melts down. She has to come back again. The point is, you can keep coming back. It's not, a, it's not the end if you crash and burn. Come back. Come back to the same Jesus seven times. And then the back of that addiction is broken. And you know what? She becomes, listen to this, one of Christ's most radical and loyal followers. When all the men had fled at Calvary, she's the only woman that stayed there till the bitter end. She stood beside Jesus till he died. She followed him to the tomb, and Sunday morning, she's the first at that Easter empty tomb. Mary Magdalene, don't you tell me Jesus doesn't have plans for you. If he can turn her life around and tell the world about it, think of what he's going to do when he turns your life around, sets you free, and then you become a radical follower of Christ himself. Amen. There's a world that you're going to turn upside down because of your testimony. Listen to Glenn Chapel. Let me put one more line. Just, just under the line about Mary is this line. You have it in your, in your um, study guide. Jesus knows. This is the great news. Jesus knows the circumstances of every soul. You may say, I'm sinful, very sinful. You may be. But the worse you are, the more you need Jesus. He turns no weeping contrite one away. He does not tell to any all that he might reveal, but he bids every trembling soul take courage. Freely will he pardon all who come to him for forgiveness and restoration. I'm at the door. Let me move in. Let's replace. Let's remove and replace. And let me be the replacement. What a deal. You want to come to Jesus right now? Would you like to come to Jesus right now? Why not? Take your Connect card. It's also in that uh, worship bulletin of yours. Pull it out. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to Jesus right now. Front of the card, guests, we're glad to have you who are here visiting. Uh, the front of the card, your name, email. If you want that document that I spoke of a moment ago, you're, you're going to love it. If the whole place asks for it, we'll send it to everybody. It's not going to cost you. It'll come right through uh, cyberspace to you. Make sure we have your email address and that it's legible. If we have a legible email address, you've got it. Turn the card over because we call this the next step side of the card. Here are four suggestions. I choose to implement, number one, the seven-point replacement plan through Jesus' power. 
Put a check mark there. Come on. I want to I replace. If you want to join me in that, just put a check mark right there. Ushers are moving to their places right now to receive these cards. When they come by, <clears throat> you can just drop it in. Box number two. I would like special prayer for my, addiction, my battle with addiction. I hope to be at the April 16th prayer service. Put a check mark right there. We'll send you an email before the service begins. We'll send you an email just as a, a reminder. Come on over. You will never regret having somebody step up beside you and pray with you. Come on. And number three, please send me the 12 steps, a process for Christian growth. 12 steps, Bible verse with each one, and a chapter from Steps to Christ, all linked in with the various 12 steps recovery uh, strategy. We'll send it to you. And finally, number four, I would like prayer today. I'll come forward at the end of the service. There'll be some of our prayer team right up here. If you'd like to, somebody just to pray for you today, you're not coming for addictions necessarily. You could be coming for anything, whatever it is. Let somebody stand beside you and pray with you. The organ will be playing. No, I'll be there. The wind symphony will be uh, playing away. And uh, it's all right. God will hear the prayer. You and that prayer partner pray. You say, Dwight, I've never been to Jesus before in my life. You see that other box? If you're interested in beginning a relationship with Jesus, I want to pray with you now. Put a check mark there, and we will send material for you to start a friendship with the bondage breaker. It doesn't get any better than that. I'm at the door. Let me in. That python will never again be your threat. Let's pray together. Oh, God, thank you for not leaving us in the clutches and the coils of this serpent who would destroy every single one of us. Thank you for the Christ who came, who shattered the serpent's hold on the human race, that clutch. He shattered it by Calvary. And because of the cross, if the Son sets you free now, you are free indeed. We need that freedom, dear God. Bless every man, woman, young adult, teenager, and even child here who is sensing the tug of the python. Cut it off, Father. Step in. The house is not unoccupied. Come in. And may it be just the Lord Jesus for the rest of our lives. Take our decisions, seal them, and our morning tithes and offerings as well. We humbly pray in Christ's name. Amen.